0: Welcome to Evening Worship. We're here at Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, right here in the heart of the bluegrass. I'm so glad you're able to join us this evening here on Sunday night. We are going through a sermon series on the book of Acts. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 25. Acts chapter 25. While you turn there, I want to bring attention to um, maybe some things going on, some ways that you can certainly uh, be in prayer for here our church. Be supportive of. We had a wonderful night of prayer on Wednesday night. God certainly moved in a very powerful and a mighty ways. I want to encourage you to continue doing that. Be praying for a COVID vaccine. Be praying for the number of cases to go down. Be praying for churches. Think about the needs of churches. How uh, so many folks are worried. Uh, few, pews used to be full of folks worshiping and praising the Lord and now a lot of folks are having to worship at home just like you here at this Sunday night service. And the great thing is we want to see God to do a great great revival. You don't want to miss this opportunity for the Lord to move during COVID. And I want to invite you to continue being faithful in prayer and doing that. Other thing I just want to remind you of the support, your financial support for our church helps takes the gospel right here to Lexington and beyond. If you can uh, give on our church's website, click on that link, send it. We do text to give as well. And I want you to know we are not wasteful. Your gifts, your offerings go towards reaching our city and beyond. And it's it's an honor and a joy to be able to give. God loves a cheerful giver. So he looks at our attitude about why we should give so you should never have to be guilted into giving you should give because god will instruct and wants you to give with that so i did want to run that remember to pray don't let night of prayer end out end on wednesday last wednesday and knowing that your faithfulness is certainly appreciated before we turn there and look in our bibles i want to bring attention to the map I have a map up here on our screen this is a map of israel during jesus's time So you say, well, this isn't during Jesus' time, but we're studying Paul, so it's just a few years, a little bit afterwards. I want to give you some background information about where where we're at here, what's going on. We're going to be looking at a city that Paul is under two-year arrest. It's called Caesarea. It's right here on the ocean. It's kind of the Roman capital of Israel during the time of Jesus and during the time of Paul. Secondly, we're also going to be looking at Jerusalem. And the reason why is because it said some people came down from Jerusalem. The reason they go down, Jerusalem is at a higher elevation, so they're walking down a hill, down, actually north, towards Caesarea. So these are the two cities. You've got Jerusalem right here, where the Jews are going to come and try to stir up against Paul, and then Caesarea is right there. So that's our map of what we're talking about. Those are the two main cities we're going to be looking at this Um, uh, this evening. I've got another uh, item up here on the screen. It's going to be talking about who has Paul been addressing? Like, what's going on here at the Book of Acts? You know, the Book of Acts is kind of like in sections. It starts out with Pentecost, the Ascension, uh, Jesus going into heaven. Then the birth of the church. You have Peter. You have John preaching bold sermons, them being arrested, miracles happening, them leaving. Then all of a sudden, in about chapter Nine, chapter 8, it starts shifting towards Paul. And then Paul is saved. Paul becomes a missionary. And then for um, about seven chapters or so, eight chapters, Paul's on his missionary journeys. And on his missionary journeys, he's going all over Asia, sharing the good news, going into Europe. But then we get towards the end here. The last few chapters of Acts is where we're at. Paul when he ended his third missionary journey by going to Jerusalem. The problem with that is, and he was warned when he went there, when he entered into Jerusalem, he was arrested. He was bound. And a prophet named Agabus warned him. He so said, Paul, you're going to go into Jerusalem, you're never going to get released. And Paul was like, hey, I live for Christ. If I die, I want to die for Jesus. And that was his attitude. It did not scare him. And Agabus the prophet didn't tell him not to go. He's just letting him know the truth. You're just going to get arrested. You'll never be free again. So, Paul has been bound. He's now under arrest. In the past few years, a couple of years, he has been transported from being under... Uh, he was arrested by the Jews, and now he's been transported into Roman custody. Why? Because he's a Roman citizen. So he has spent two years in Caesarea and all of a sudden what's going to happen is I want to show you the addresses that he's been making. I have them up here on the screen. So we're going to pick up uh, on these addresses. He goes while he's under custody with these five, he's been um, made under uh, uh, arrest there with the Romans. He's made five addresses. The first one, if you remember back in Acts 22, he, the crowd, remember He's been under arrest, and he stood out, and he spoke to the crowd. Every one of these opportunities, what's powerful about it, it gives him an opportunity to boldly proclaim the gospel. Number two, after the crowd, the Jewish council. That's the same Sanhedrin that uh, tried Jesus. He got to stand before him and boldly proclaim Jesus. Number three, the Roman, the Roman governor, Felix. And that's what we saw last week, last Sunday. He's there in Caesarea, Felix, basically kept him bound for two years, but he got to boldly proclaim Jesus in front of Felix. Felix was married to a Jewish woman who, um, who had a lot of questions about it, but um, Paul boldly pro- proclaimed the gospel, and Felix didn't want to hear about his sins. And then number four, where we're at today, is this new governor. The guy who replaced Felix is called Festus. Festus doesn't know very much about the gospel, and Paul gets an opportunity to address him. And in today's message, in many ways, of what Paul is doing is a setup message for next Sunday night sermon, because he's going to stand in front of Agrippa, and he's going to also make a very bold statement. And then he's going to get um, bound and sent on a ship to Rome, and the ship's going to wreck. I mean... You know, it's just miracle after miracle for Paul with that, with that. So I want to, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles. We're going to start reading the scriptures here. Acts chapter 25, and we're going to read the first 12 verses. This is, remember, Paul is a Roman citizen, and God allowed Paul to be a Roman citizen with the purpose of being able to shield him from arrest and from being quickly executed by the Jews so he could continue sharing the good news. Verse 1, here we are. Three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. So Festus is the brand new governor. The chief priests and the leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him, and they appealed, asking for a favor against Paul that Festus summoned him to Jerusalem. They were, in fact, preparing an ambush along the road to kill him. Festus, however, answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea, and that he himself was about to go there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those of you who have authority go down with me and accuse him if he has done anything wrong. When he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea. The next day, seated at the tribunal, he commanded Paul to be brought in. When he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. Then Paul made his defense, Neither against the Jewish law, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I sinned in any way. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, replied to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem? to be tried before me there on these charges. Paul replied, I'm standing at Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as even you yourself know very well. If then I did anything wrong and am deserving of death, I'm not trying to escape death, but if there is nothing to what these men accuse me of, no one can give me up to them. I appeal To Caesar. So here he is appealing to Caesar now. Then after Festus conferred with his council, he replied, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you will go. What happened here? Paul, a new governor named Festus, replaced Felix. And what happened was uh, Festus went to go meet some of the... um, leaders there in Jerusalem, some of the people that he's governing, and he meets the Jews there in Jerusalem, and the first thing they do, it's like they had a, they knew who they wanted to get rid of. They knew there was a man in the prison under Festus' reign named Paul, and they were determined to have that man executed. So their plan was, this is the first thing they asked, there was There was personal vengeance against Paul. And they knew, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this man killed. So we'll ask to transport him to Jerusalem so we could try him, so we could ask him some questions, so we could put him on trial. And then, then while he's down here under our authority, we'll just ambush and kill him. Because we all hate him. There's just lawless here. He has no Roman protection to us. And Festus knew this. He knew the ulterior motives of the Jewish leaders. So what happened was Paul, when challenged with this, saying, Hey, do you want to go down to the Jews? He knew the moment he had that, they they the moment he went to Jewish authority, they were going to kill him. He used his citizenship basically to keep him alive. Now he says, basically, I could die. You could kill me. I'm not scared of dying, but while I'm alive, I'm going to use every opportunity to share and communicate the gospel. Is that your attitude? Do you have that same attitude of sharing and communicating the gospel? Are you passionate about being like Paul, where he had the bold confidence that nothing could stand in the way Nothing could stop him in the message he's going to proclaim. And I think when you get to the point spiritually where you can say, I am no longer scared of death. I am no longer scared and frightened about being executed. That's a man you have to watch out for. I think what I get from this passage is one of the Bible talks about the sin of hatred. The Jewish leaders hated Paul. They despised him. And the moment they had an opportunity with this new guy, Festus, who had come to power, the first thing they go to is they're going to go to him and say, we want to see him killed. We want him to be executed. And I think for us, are you holding any grudges tonight? Is there any sin in your life that you have not let go of? Jesus Christ, when he saved you, when he freed you, when literally he comes and broke those chains in your life that were holding you down, you should no longer be struggling with habitual addiction. You should no longer be struggling with garbage on the internet, listening and watching stuff you shouldn't be listening and participating in. Jesus Christ has freed you of that. These Jews were, un- these Jewish leaders were in bondage. And the bondage they were in was this bondage of hate towards Paul. Paul preached the Messiah. Paul was bold in his faith. Paul was that guy who was doing a lot of damage because Jews were coming to Jesus. Are you a Paul? Do you know of a Paul? You know, we need an army of Pauls today. The Pauls that we need today are those that will stand in front of Festus, stand in front of our elected leaders and say, I'm not scared to die. I serve Jesus Christ above anyone else. One of the other things we see here is Festus is put in a tough situation. This guy's the governor, and he realizes, if I let Paul free, what's going to happen? The Jews are going to be offended, and that's who I'm supposed to be winning favor over. And governing. He also realizes, if I condemn Paul, who's a Roman citizen? Who's innocent? There's actually nothing that he has done. He has not committed any crimes, Paul, except preach Jesus. It's a theological issue. I mean, what's Paul's crime? Paul's crimes. he's a Bible preacher. I mean, the is just going around proclaiming Jesus is the Messiah. That's not worthy of death, even back in Bible times. Certainly not today. If Festus condemns Paul, who's a Roman citizen, it would offend Rome. That would be a problem for Festus because he doesn't want Caesar to have to get involved in anything down in Judea. He's supposed to be down there to keep peace and to maintain law and order. And the last thing he wants to be dealing with is having to be questioned about why he allowed a roman citizen to die that he executed who did not receive a fair trial on his watch so that's one of the things so he's somewhat he's somewhat in this limbo right here but then here comes a uh, a breakthrough is going to happen so we're going to pick back up in our bibles go ahead and open back up to acts chapter 25 acts 25 verse 13 several days later so, Paul's back in jail. King Agrippa and Bernice arrive in Caesarea. Now, who are these people? King Agrippa and Bernice. King Agrippa is the great-grandson of Herod the Great. Remember, who is the Herodian family? The Herodian family is very similar to a Jewish king. He started with Herod the Great. And they would appoint the high priest. So you, typically, you would have Herod and his family. They would just—they uh, were a barbaric family—and then they, and then you would have Rome, and Rome would have a governor, like the governor during Jesus's time was Pilate. Herod was also the um, Herod the Great was the one who was trying to kill baby Jesus, and they had to go to Egypt. Well, here we are, the great grandson. His name is King Agrippa. King Agrippa is traveling around with his sister, which is kind of strange. Her name is Bernice. Bernice divorced her husband, and she spent all this time with her brother. And there were always rumors of these two, of an incestuous relationship. So um, it wasn't a very good situation for Bernice and Agrippa, they, these are not godly people. They just do whatever. Ethics was not part of their brand. And it says there, they paid a courtesy call on Festus. So they came to meet this new governor. They're thinking, I need to go meet the new governor. Let's stop by Caesarea. Since they were staying there several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king, saying, there's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. I answered them, that is, that is not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for a defense against the charges. So when they had assembled there, I did not delay. The next day I took my seat at the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. So, we're, re- can't, can't, we're recapping the can't, uh, statement of what happened here with Paul and what he did with the um, with Paul, and what he did with the Jews as well as the um, uh, just being a Roman citizen. Verse eighteen: The accuser stood up, but brought no charge against him, but of evils I was expecting. I mean, they just a bunch of religious stuff and lies. There was no, nothing stuck. Instead, they even had some disagreements with him about their own religion, about a certain Jesus, a dead man Paul claimed to be alive. You see, this is a religious thing. In, in Festus' mind, he's thinking, here we are bickering and fighting about this man, Paul, who's claiming a guy named Jesus, who's dead, who's claiming to be alive. And I want to tell you, Festus is probably thinking, this is a waste of my time. Why are the Jews so passionate about this? These are religious fanatics. That's literally what they're thinking of the Jews. They're thinking, Paul's crazy. I mean, nothing he says makes sense, so he's just a, he's a crazy man. Just let him go. What, it doesn't matter what he says. Verse 20. Since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things, I asked him if he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor. That's Caesar. I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. You know, this is very similar to when Pilate was having to deal with Jesus and then all of a sudden Herod was in town. Herod wanted to see Jesus. So now we have Festus who's having to deal with Paul and sure enough, part of Herod's family, Agrippa is in town, think, well, I'll I'll listen to the guy myself. Because typically, the Herodian family, they were the ones that were directly over over the Jews. Last comment here in verse 22. Tomorrow you will hear him, he replied. So that means Festus is thinking, I want to deal with this issue I've got King Agrippa, who's over the Jews, who appoints their religious leaders. I need his help and insight to help deal with this, because this is all about religion. And I don't understand um, some of the things they believe. and I certainly don't understand anything about Jesus. I think what we see here, the main uh, point we see, is our trial today. I have it up here on the board. Our trial today is not a religious one. Did you know we're on trial do you know you're on trial? That prayer meeting we had last Wednesday, it's a trial. Our trial today is not about religion, but it's over cultural matters that threaten religious liberty. Our culture has drifted so far away from Judeo Christian principles, it now threatens to rob us, to steal us of religious liberty. There's huge religious liberty questions being asked today. You know, does the government have the authority to shut down churches? Does the government, can they mandate masks? Can they close down businesses? Can the government tell us what we should be doing and how to practice? No singing in church. Don't get too close. Don't touch each other. All in the name of a public health emergency. Public health epi- ep- epidemic. Now, obviously, we want to be wise. We want to be good stewards. We don't want to be spreading the coronavirus here at Broadway. But listen, the in times, it, said, it says that the Antichrist, this is one of the ways he will come to power in the book of Revelation. Then people will believe a delusion. The delusion a lot of people are believing today is the delusion that government has the answers. Government will not answer the questions of the human heart. How to be saved? How do I know God? How can I I grow closer to Him? How can I live a life full of joy and peace? How can I live a life that is abundant and blessed? Government doesn't meet, can't answer a single one of those questions. These are biblical questions that teach us how to be saved. And I think what we have to remember Paul is reminding us. That the most important questions... And remember, why do they hate him so much? It's because why he's teaching Jesus is the Messiah. The Jews did not accept Jesus. It threatened them. Christianity, in many ways, can be a threat to religious... It can be a threat... To a liberal democracy. What I mean liberal democracy. Is when. You have a secular society. And the number one God. Of a secular society is self. Man. All of a sudden. A believer. Who believes in the Bible. Who believes in the authority of God's word. And they hold to God's word that threatens a secular, lost society, government, that's saying, no, God's not most important, man is. Augustine wrote a book about this, called City of God, and then City of Man. Basically, which city are you going to live in? The city of God lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The city of man lives under the lordship of government. And I'm appealing with you tonight. And Paul appeals to all these people when he stands in front of Festus and whatever governor. He's saying, I ultimately do not answer to the government to you, Governor Festus. I answer to the Lord Jesus. Do you have that same conviction? Jesus Christ is looking for believers who are passionate about Answering directly to him. I want you to know something. What if there's never a cure for the coronavirus? Do we shut down church for 10 years? Could you go a decade like this? Do you know the Bible is going to tell us. That in the end. Believers. Will believe the delusion. They'll believe the lies. Now. I absolutely believe we should wear a mask. We should practice social distancing. We do not want to spread the coronavirus. But at some point we always need to remind remind ourselves ultimately we are answer we answer to the Lord not to the law or human law. We answer to God's word. And his expectation for us. I have another scripture here I want to put up on the board. If you have your Bible at home, won't you go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15? Just like Paul, we need to have an answer and we need to be prepared and we need to be ready to give a, for the hope that we have. And it says here in verse 15 But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. That means set apart. We always remember Jesus Christ is holy. We regard him that way. And it says, because he's holy, because he is God, he is set apart. You need to have, you need to be ready at any moment, at any time, to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Meaning, if someone comes up and they want to know, Okay, why aren't you doing this? Or why do you believe this? Tell me your convictions. Tell me what drives you. You should boldly be able to say, It's because I have hope. It's not in our government. It's not in the law of our land. But it's in the Messiah of Jesus. And I know, with Him, I answer, I serve, I live for Him. We should always be prepared to give a defense that's what an apologetic is, an apology. That's why we study apologetics. Why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in God? Why do you attend worship? For the reason for the hope that's in you. Meaning, here's why I believe. In my, I want to tell you the most important story you have is the story of a testimony of a changed life. Jesus Christ changed your life. Jesus Christ saved you. He restored you. And all of a sudden, now, you are a different man, a different woman. That is a personal testimony. Last section here. Last section here in the scriptures. Acts chapter 25, verse 23 through 27. Follow along your Bible. Paul is now about to appeal before King Herod Agrippa. The Bible says, The next day, I mean, they asked for a fast trial, they got one the next day. It's unheard of today. Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the military commanders. I'll make a big, certainly a big scene about that. And all the prominent men of the city. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men present with us, you see, this man, the whole Jewish community has appealed to me concerning him, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should not live any longer. I found that he, has, he had not done anything deserving a death. But when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this examination is over, I may have something to write. For it seems unreasonable for me to send a prisoner without indicating charges against him. This is the setup for a fantastic sermon that we're about to see. This just shows you of the fruitlessness that is going on against Paul. The injustice, the lack of justice that's occurring. Paul is now about to be transported to Caesar. But the problem is, the guy who's going to transport him to Caesar has no clue what to even say the charges are. I can't send the man to Caesar saying he believes in a dead man. That's a waste of Caesar's time. They want to look for a murderer, an insurrectionist, somebody who's committed a, a real crime, not a religious crime. Paul's crime is his belief. Well, that doesn't concern, that doesn't concern them. Festus is admitting he doesn't even know what to say. So he says, King Agrippa, what do I do? I need some help. Help me charge this man. Help me get some clarity on this. And I think what we're seeing here is Paul is allowing God to set the stage for a powerful sermon that's going to be preached. Paul is going to boldly proclaim the the gospel in front of all of these people here. And then he's going to get sent to Rome. And the ship's going to crash and wreck along the way. And I have up here on the screen I have it. Last statement. You do not know how God can use a moment of faithfulness to implant his word in a person's heart. The moment of faithfulness for Paul is that Paul has been faithful for all of these years, for two years in this dungeon in Caesarea. And God is going to raise this man up for him to preach a sermon, for him to give a defense of why he believes it. And what's happening is, God's allowing Paul an audience to share the good news. This whole arrest God is allowing. So I think in our life, let's contextualize this. So Daniel, okay, I see what's happening. God set this up for Paul to go out and preach the gospel, the good news. What does that have to do with me? How can I use my circumstances to proclaim the good news? Let's put some in the context. Do you know anybody with cancer? Do you know anybody who's very sick? God is allowing your cancer allowing possibly you to have that disease so you can be a great witness for the things that he has brought you through how he's healed you you know John Piper wrote a little book once called Don't Waste Your Cancer meaning God allowed you to have cancer so really you could be you could point people to him you could be a witness about that God's not allowing Paul to waste his, his arrest, his Roman citizenship. All these people are going to be praying through listening to Paul preach all of these different variety of sermons and proclaiming Jesus' name. Think about the coronavirus season right now. You have had a unique opportunity to spend time with people that you wouldn't maybe normally get to talk to because of your busy life. You have had a unique time to stay very close to some family. You've had a unique time to possibly work, maybe not physically, but through telework, through Zoom, through FaceTime, and you can use these conversations, these work opportunities, these family relationships This togetherness, that because of, if you were out normally doing everything you were doing, you would now be able to interact with these folks, and you can share the good news. I mean, just this week, I want you all to know, tomorrow at 9 a.m. starts our online VBS. I hope you watch that on our church Facebook page, and then share it, and pass it along to someone else who has children. They will hear the gospel. They will hear the good news of Jesus through Bible school virtually. First time in a long time I haven't had a summer of not going to VBS. God is allowing the unique circumstances in your life, the diseases, the setbacks that you have to experience with a greater purpose for you sharing the gospel. I'm going to close this in prayer. Next Sunday night. We. Will look at this. Magnificent. Sermon. That Paul proclaimed. To Agrippa. And he's right there. And God has set the stage for something incredible to happen. What in your life. Is God setting the stage for. Might just be a conversation. But that conversation leads someone to Jesus. Paul never lost his witness. Any and every opportunity. He's telling others about his Lord. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for God to give you a bold witness. I want you to reach your hand out to the TV. Reach your hand out to the computer. And I want you to pray along with me. Because I want God to instill a boldness in your life that he gave to Paul. Dear God. Make me a bold believer. I no longer want to be timid. Whether I'm standing in front of my classmates or the governor, I stand for you. Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me of my sins. Help me be the man The woman you've called me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. Jesus Christ has called you to be a bold witness. Jesus Christ empowers you. And allows you to have those opportunities. So you could advance the kingdom. I hope you have a wonderful week this summer. We're right here in the middle of the summer at church. This is the best time of the year for you to be just diving and studying God's word. Jesus loves you. I want to hear from you. Let me know if you have any prayer requests. Hope you give to supporting our church. If you got saved, you want to make a decision, you want me to pray for you, just call the church office. Send this uh, um, church Facebook page a message. If you're listening to it on our Apple podcast, just uh, s- send me an email, leave a comment. I'll be able to get in touch with you. God bless you. I will see you Next week.